The aspiration of broad participation, candor, and understanding each other in conversations is pretty simple to grasp and people can easily manage the benefits. However, achieving this is another matter. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations. This special season is a team development masterclass, and my co-host is Peter Axelson, who is a 35-year team development expert whose methodology we're showcasing. This masterclass will help team leaders and members gain insights, tactics, and tools for building effective teams. And at the end of every episode, we offer an exercise that you can use with your own team. To access all these and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. So this episode is about conversations, but not just any conversations, high quality conversations. And this building block, while simple and straightforward, is critical to every other building block in this methodology because the conversation is the relationship. To quote a line I come back to often from the book Fierce Conversations from Susan Scott. What this means to me, the conversation is a relationship, is that the quality of our relationships depend on the quality of our conversations, which of course then directly impacts the quality of our work together as a team. This building block explores how we discuss what we discuss, and these skills are fundamental to team effectiveness. So let me start with a bit of a survey. Have you ever observed or been part of a conversation where one of these things was happening? A, some people in the meeting don't say a word and others are doing all the talking. B, it's pretty clear that people are not saying what they are really thinking. All the time. All the time, right? Or C, it's clear that people don't understand the reasoning behind what others are saying. So it's probably safe to say that everyone listening right now has seen these dynamics at play maybe hundreds of times. And that is a big problem. Here's how I think about the business case. You could ask yourself or ask your team, it's actually an interesting conversation to have, what are the costs associated with some people not speaking up Mm -hmm. and or with people not really saying what they're thinking and or not really understanding each other's reasoning? So each of these has the potential to really limit the effectiveness of the team. And so you put all these together, they compound each other. You know, the cost associated with low-quality conversations, this is a really big deal and something that teams really need to pay attention to. That's right. So the point is this. It's simply just not enough just to bring people together to work, whether that's on calls or meetings or workshops or whatever that might be. Because more often than not, the quality of the conversation is not what the work really needs it to be, what the work requires. Mm-hmm. So it's critical to ensure that the conversations that are taking place are high quality. And so this is what we mean by that. So what we think good looks like is broad participation, Mm -hmm. a high level of candor, and a sharing of views coupled with the thinking behind that opinion. That's what we think good looks like. That's right. And when you compare to some of the other building blocks in this methodology, this one is a little bit of a light lift. By that, we mean that implementation is fairly straightforward and teams can very quickly see positive impacts to their work outcomes in just a few weeks. But with some teams, this building block, high-quality conversations, it's the primary focus of our work. In other teams, it's part of a broader engagement and is related to team culture, team norms, and meeting effectiveness. Fundamentally, what we are doing is working to create a climate for conversations where people feel safe, 
where they won't be judged or punished in some way for speaking up and expecting others in the team to do the same. It's what we might call psychological safety. And this is not to suggest that everyone speaks for the same amount of time, right? Communication styles quite a bit from one person to another. Some people are concise. Some people are wordy. Some people join conversations quickly and often, and others more reserved. Solid participation has two parts. Number one, equal opportunity to speak. And then number two, on the really important topics and decisions, everyone has had a chance to be heard. The aspiration of broad participation, candor, and understanding each other in conversations is pretty simple to grasp and people can easily manage the benefits. However, achieving this is another matter. So let me just talk a little bit about our typical approach when we're working with teams that want to do some work in this area. So the first thing we do is describe these three attributes. What does good participation look like? What does candor look like? What does understanding each other's reasoning look like? And then why do these things matter? So this gets to the why bother. Second, we'll ask people to talk about in their world, what are the things that are barriers to these three things? So what's in the way? Why are these things hard to do? So interestingly enough, this is almost another small diagnostic aspect. This conversation oftentimes illuminates team dynamics that haven't been talked about openly. Not all the time, but it's pretty common. For example, the very act of talking about why someone is afraid to say what they're really thinking takes courage. And so that issue of fears and kind of dealing with those things, the dynamics in the team, it's on the table. Now we can address that. And then third, they just need to practice. So we give people some tools. We talk about the dynamics in the team, what's in the way, this kind of a thing. And then we practice, practice, practice. So what we're doing here is getting down to specific behaviors that people can fiddle with that kind of help them increase the quality of their conversations. That's right. If right now this topic is really resonating with you, jot down these next six best practices to use with your team that I'm going to describe in a minute. These six best practices fall underneath three primary topics. One, participation, two, candor, and three, understanding of reasoning. And each best practice has a self-component and an other component. So this is super helpful because, of course, any high-quality conversation involves you and at least one other person. So let's talk about participation first. The managing self aspect is to pay attention to your own participation. Speak up more if that's not something you usually do, or maybe you should speak less in order to make more room for others. Interacting with others is to observe who is speaking and who is not, and then make sure to invite other people and make space for other people to join the conversation. Hey, Wendy, I've got a story to share here. So it's actually <laughs> one of my favorite things to do with teams. So one of the things that I'll do when I'm working with them on meetings, meeting effectiveness, participation, this kind of thing. And so we'll be in a meeting or a work session and I'll say, okay, everybody stand up and come over to this side of the room. And people are looking <laughs> at me like, oh no, what's he going to do to us? Then I say, what I'd like you to do is to line up. At this end of the lineup are the people who speak the most. Okay. And at this end of the lineup are the people that speak the least. And what happens next is hilarious because they might try different spots and then people will say to them, you don't belong there. They'll literally <laughs> grab someone by the shoulders and move them up or down the line. It's a, such a simple way, but such a powerful way just to show them this is what the participation dynamic in our team looks like right now. Depending on the conversation and what you're doing, you could stand there. I've stood there for 30 minutes in some situations talking about different things, but it's a very quick and powerful way to get at this issue. That's such a great example, too, because what happens is you really get a good understanding of what your 
own read is in terms of how much you talk. And does that match up with what other people think how much you talk? (laughs) I'm sure that there's some discrepancy there when you've done that exercise. (laughs) All the time. That's right. That's a great example. So participation is what we just covered. Next, we're going to talk about candor. Managing self is say what you were really thinking. So maybe push the envelope a bit on your comfort with this in terms of being honest. The interacting with others piece, if it seems that someone's not saying all they're thinking, inquire without confronting by asking some thoughtful questions like, tell me more. Tell me more about what's on your mind. And that's a good way to create and encourage candor from others. The last one is understanding of reasoning. So managing self, when stating your opinion, also share your thinking or reasoning behind it. It might take a little bit longer but make sure people understand that that's what you're doing. This is my opinion, and this is how I got there. Interacting with others, if another person shares their opinion without their reason, inquire, again, without confronting, and be curious about how they came to their opinion. And you can say something like, how did you get there? Tell me more. You know, these six practices, on their face, they're pretty simple, and Mm -hmm. they're incredibly powerful. But what's important is to keep these things visible. I encourage people, and as Winnie said, jot them down, put them in your notebook, and put them on a real board in your meeting room. You can put them on a virtual wall in meetings, put them on team agendas. But the whole idea is to keep these behavioral guidelines for self and interacting with others visible and in front of your nose. That's right. As we're wrapping up this building block, I want to talk a little bit about what's easy and what's hard. So let me start with what's easy. I think it's relatively easy to get better at sharing your reasoning and inquiring with other people about the reasoning behind statements that they may make. There are fewer perceived risks associated with that shift. That's fairly easy. In the middle, in terms of easy and harder, is changing patterns of participation. Now, mm-hmm. to be clear, there are lots and lots of things that can influence this dynamic, and it takes a little bit of time for teams to figure out which things are actually influencing participation and then address them. But this is something that can be worked out relatively easy. I think the most difficult of the three has to do with increasing the candor in the team. There are factors at play here. There are many of them, and I think some of them are pretty weighty. So for teams in which the historical form, and there are a lot of these, has been never say what you're really thinking, right? Yeah. We see that all the time. Reversing that is usually hard work. It requires modeling on the part of the influential people in the team, and that's not necessarily always the boss. Explicitly calling out when someone takes some risks, call that out and encourage them, make a note of that. And acknowledging progress in this dimension where it's important. Having high-quality conversations is really, really, really important to team effectiveness, and it's really fun to watch the growing confidence and the sense of accomplishment in a team when they experience progress on these things, becoming broader participation, more candor, and better understanding of each other. So these are big deals. Yeah. Thanks, Peter. I think that really gives our listeners a view on what can be accomplished when they are really working to embed high-quality conversations into their team's interactions and discussions. So now it's time for an exercise you can try out with your own team. So the objective here of this experiment is to try out some practices intended to increase the quality of your team's conversations. So let me give you an outline. Talk with the team about what you want to do and why. Start with that. So why you think this would benefit your team, what you hope you and the team can learn, maybe even have them listen to this episode, and then propose this as an experiment you want to try out. And at the start of, let's say, five or so team meetings, Review the best practices around participation, candor, and understanding of reasoning, which we just discussed. And you have to remember that teams don't become more effective unless individual people on the team change their behavior. 
And that starts with things just like this. So encourage everyone to try out some new behaviors. So at the start of each meeting, review what happened. What did people do? What were the results? Insights that were gained, what was learned, and what adjustments you want to make for the next meeting. After these five or so experimental meetings are complete, spend some time with your team to pause and reflect. So ask questions like, what observations do we have on the quality of our conversations in these meetings? What observations do we have about the benefits of better conversations to the quality of our work outcomes? And what do we want to do going forward? So a small amount of work enabling the team to have high-quality conversations can really produce dividends in a very short period of time. So give this a try and see what you learn. Remember, to access all of these exercises and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. Peter and I would love to hear about your experience and what resonated with you during today's episode. You can do that by emailing me at winnie at winifred.org, going to my website, or reaching out to me on LinkedIn. So next up, episode 10, where Peter and I wrap up the building blocks with continuous improvement mechanisms. Teams are dynamic, they're not static. We think of these mechanisms as an ongoing way to monitor and provide early detection so problems on the team can be addressed proactively. I believe it's my responsibility to work myself out of a job as soon as it's practical. And they're usually kind of surprised by that because they're used to consultants like me wanting to be around forever. I see my job is to help that team develop their relationships, processes, and practices that are going to help keep them working effectively without ongoing help from feedback consultants like me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations. If you're ready to take your leadership to the next level or empower your teams for success, I'm here to help. Reach out to me directly or check out my website to learn more about my work in coaching executives, developing critical leadership skills, and working with clients to build effective teams. Your feedback matters. Please consider leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and sharing this episode with a friend who might benefit. Thanks again for listening.